0: If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam Harris.
1: And I'm Kim Monahy.
0: And we're here to suggest that mathematics class is more about mathematizing, not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking. Reasoning about creating and using mental mathematical relationships. That mathematics class can be less like it has been for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if not algorithms, then what? All right, y'all, for the past four weeks, we've been doing a really cool series about multiplication facts. In episode 34, we talked about memorization, automaticity, fluency, and help clarify kind of the whole issue. In episode 35, we talked about some things that teachers do sometimes that they think will help students learn the facts that actually don't work so well because they're based on learning the facts in isolation, using shame to motivate, or they emphasize speed, which is not really mathematics. In episode 36, we shared one of our favorite ways to help students build facility with facts problem strings. Woohoo! Love problem strings. In last week's episode, 37, we talked about how important your attitude is about learning the facts Mm -hmm. and some great games to play with kids to help them build their facts and multiplicative reasoning at the same time.
1: Yeah, we had so many great ideas. We decided to keep it. (laughs) We wanted to share some more ideas about what we really recommend as you're working with students and their multiplication facts.
0: Yeah, so in the last episode, we talked about taking the long view. That it's not this short. It's not a one time. It's not just like do this one thing. But it's like let's work on these for a long time. Let's keep talking about them. In fact, right. Kim, you have a seventh grader. Is right? Yep, he seventh mm-hmm. grade, and and you still mess around with facts with him, sure. right? Like it's sure. it's it's a constant conversation. Now, when yeah. I say that, somebody might be like. Oh, because he doesn't know him yet? No, no. I mean, the kid's a brilliant mathematician. You guys should see the way this kid mathematizes. Um, But it's still like a thing. It's a thing to continue to play with. Like we just keep it. it, We we take the long view.
1: Yeah, to see how many different relationships kids can use, right? Absolutely. So at some point, though, we need to dial in a little bit. So we play games and do activities to work on exposing kids to facts.
0: And sometime during the year, we need to dial in. Right,
1: right. So at some point, right? when we reach the part of the year where we feel like we're given facts they're due, um, I would have kids think about sorting out ones they knew at their core and ones that they didn't own yet. So we've done a lot of work. We've done a lot of activities. And then when we reach that part of the year, we make individual sets of clue cards based on the relationships that they have made use of. And those clue cards become their own personal flashcards to work with and are based on what
0: each student chooses. And so Kim, I think I've heard you say that you actually interviewed each kid and mm-hmm. you would sit down with them and you'd sort of use like a typical flashcard deck and just say, Hey, let's just check these out. Now, remember everybody, remember listeners, she's doing this later in the year where they've yep. done lots of work already building the facts. And then she's like, Hey, which of these do you just know you own? You've got to build deep. And Which one do you not know yet? Like, yep. Nice growth, set, growth mindset language in there. We don't know yet, but we're going to, we're going to. And you would just sort of like show them the card and you make a pile of facts Kim knows, I, Kim, if the Kim's a student, facts, Kim knows, facts, Kim doesn't know yet. And then take those facts that the student doesn't know yet and make that personalized set of what you call clue cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does that look like? Well, let's take like a most missed fact. So say the particular kid that we're working with doesn't know eight times seven or seven times eight. So you would make a personal card for that student just on a, an index card or whatever kind of card you have handy. On that index card, you would write seven times eight, eight times seven, um, and then a clue to help that student figure that fact, a relationship that that would help that student figure that fact. So if it is eight times seven, that clue might be something like, if I'm trying to get eight sevens, then maybe I would uh, write a clue of seven times seven. Mm-hmm. Because if I have seven sevens, I can use that to help me find eight sevens. I just need one more seven. And so on that card, where I've got eight times seven, seven times eight, then underneath that, I might write seven times seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I might write seven times seven equals 49. I might write 49. Like whatever it is that kind of pings for that kid to go, oh yeah, that's right. I could use that to help me think about the fact I'm trying to find. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another, um, another clue might be to get eight sevens. I might write four times seven or just four sevens or four times seven equals 28. I try to write as little as possible so that it just is enough to ping the kid to be able to think about, oh, I can double four sevens to get eight sevens. Or for eight times seven, seven times eight, a kid might say, well, I know my fives, like five times eight, I can do that. So to find seven eights, I'm going to find five eights and then add two eights. So we might just write down like five times eight, or we might write five times eight plus two times eight. Um, Or we might just write, 40. And then like, whatever it is, again, That was sort of Q, that kid. Maybe to find eight sevens, we might write down 10 times seven. Because to find eight sevens, maybe if I know 10 sevens, that's easy, right? That's 70. Then can I get rid of two extra sevens? Let's just get rid of 14. Yeah, that's 56. I might use the clue of seven sevens to find eight sevens or eight eights to find seven eights. Because kids know those square numbers. A lot of kids know seven times seven and eight times eight, and they don't know the one in between. It's so funny. Um, so whatever it is that, that works well for that particular student, I'm going to write on the bottom of that card. And and, and, kids, they've, and they've been thinking about these relationships already, right? It's right. So yeah, like, we, oh, let me just come
1: up with something random. They've been working with these relationships in all the games and activities that we've been playing.
0: We've been and talking problem strings, about relationships, right? Absolutely. And so we're just looking for one that works particularly well for right. that student. So that when they are then practicing, because then you're going to have kids practice with these cards, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And let's talk about that for just a second. When you're having kids practice with those cards, I've heard you talk about circulating during that practice time. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah. So I'm listening for kids who are not making use of the clues that they that they said are useful to them, right? Mm-hmm. When they, we make these cards, then they are choosing the clue. You just, you just gave it a whole bunch of relationships that could be used, but they come up with one that's useful to them. And then- When I hear them not make use of them, they get they get stuck on one for quite some time. Then we reevaluate the clue that they
0: have on their on their card. And you might find it, uh, choose a different clue and you might right. like just like scratch that one out and put a different right. clue on there that maybe they could use with more facility. Sure. Y'all, if, if if you don't learn anything else, teachers notice how important it was for Kim to be involved. Like she's circulating and she's listening in. It's not just like, okay, go off on your own and I'm right. gonna grade papers over here. Like, so you, you're, you are constantly interested in where students are on the landscape of learning. You are constantly interested in how you can help nudge them towards more specific, sophisticated thinking. And I love that. Just wanted to point that out. Okay. So I'm picturing this, uh, this, this deck of cards I'm making for each individual kid. And so I've written seven times eight, eight times seven. And and when I say that y'all, I mean both. So I write seven times sure. eight and then underneath that, I write eight times seven. And then underneath that a little bit with some space in between, then we'll write the clue that the student's going to use and, uh, and then flip it over and put 56 on the back. Is that oh, right, actually,
1: Kim? no, 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 no. So <laughs>
0: So the clue goes on the front but nowhere on the card
1: does it have the answer. What? I know it's totally different than a regular flashcard. But here's huh. the de- here's the deal. If the kids are encouraged we're encouraging kids to play with a partner, right? They're not mm-hmm. playing alone. So I'd pair them up with kids that they could have a conversation with, right? And they're not able to treat it like a regular flashcard. They had to focus on the clue, right? So if they're playing alone and they're just like looking at the front then they could flip it over and look at the back, then it feels a little bit like I'm just asking you to memorize, which is not the
0: goal. Because they could just literally go seven times eight, flip it over over 56, 56. seven times eight, 56, and kind of do a memory thing. Like, Uh oh, I'm trying to memorize this. And that's not what you're trying to encourage.
1: Right. I'm trying to encourage thinking about a relationship that makes sense to them. And with more time seeing relationships, then it will become automatic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So you don't actually put anything that the the answer doesn't show up there. So how do you make sure that you don't have kids that are practicing the wrong answer. You know, right. like maybe, maybe they're talking about it. They both agree that seven times eight is 55 and they move on. Like, how are you kind of, well, I'm
1: going to visit with them. Right. So at some point <laughs> I'm going to sit down with kids pretty often. Um, you know, that's, I've mentioned before the two thirds, one third way that I split up my class. And in that one third
0: time, you know, we know our kids so well, right. We, we, we have conversations with Well, kids. you do because you have conversations with them and you're circulating and you're dropping in and you're pulling them, like you just said. So yeah. Um, yeah. So so keep
1: I'm going to meet with my students who I know are struggling with some facts and I'm going to have a conversation with them and I'm going to go through their clue cards with them. And I'm going to be listening for which ones are the clues that are not helpful and which ones they're coming up with an incorrect product.
0: Yeah. So you're involved. You're, yeah. You're, you're helping that uh, by being involved. Cool. Very nice. All right. So let's give the listeners some practice at this. So Kim, I'm okay. going to give you a most missed fact. Okay, And I'm going to ask you to give a few clues that might be good ones that a teacher might offer up to a student. Like, so when a kid sits down and they have this most of this fact and the, he's like, I don't know. She says, I don't know what, what clue to use. Yeah. You might say, well, do you know Blake or do you know? Well, so I- teachers, teachers need to have these clues, these relationships at their fingertips. What were we going to say?
1: Well, I was going to say that, so you said offer up and, and there are definitely times where I'm making a suggestion, but I don't think one of the things that we've mentioned is that a lot of these suggestions come from, the students in the class. So if I know I'm working with a most missed fact that's going to be on many kids' lists,
0: yeah, absolutely. then we're
1: going to make a poster together, and it might be, you know, eight times seven, like you said. And I'm going to ask them, "What are some clues that could go on your card?" Let's brainstorm whole class. Yes, and so we're brainstorming the whole class, and we're coming up with a whole chart. And then when I'm sitting down with students, I might say, "Hey, was there one on that chart?" That feels right to you? Is there one that you want to gravitate towards? And so I might guide a little bit, but a lot of the times it's coming from, um, the students, the, the class as a whole.
0: But teachers, don't you feel like Kim, it would be important for teachers and parents to have a few relationships oh, for sure. in their heads so that they, yes. as the st- as the students are talking about it, they can hang with it. Yep. They, they can draw them out when they're making that class poster. They are mm-hmm. like, well, did anybody think about, uh, you know, a little over uh, a relationship? Yeah. Okay. So let's brainstorm what some of those relationships could be for a most missed fact. Like I'm going to give you nine times seven. Okay. Nine times seven.
1: So a really common um, clue that I would have seen for nine times seven is something really close to it. Ten times seven. A lot of kids just know ten times seven because they know seven tens. And so I would have seen a couple of different variations. So the clue might have just said 10 times seven, or it could have said, if they need a little more nudge, 10 times seven minus one times seven. A lot of kids are really comfortable with fives. So for nine times seven, it might have said five times seven plus four times seven, or Mm -hmm. or maybe just five times seven. That might have been enough. Uh You mentioned earlier that a lot of kids um, love the fact that they know squares. And so you might have seen seven times seven or seven times seven plus two times seven. Could have been nine times nine minus two times nine.
0: Cool. To get to seven nines. There's a whole bunch of them, right? Would you ever think about three times seven uh-huh. and triple it? Uh-huh. Or, or is that, I mean, that's, that's a great one, except I'm wondering tripling if you Tripling know...
1: 27 is kind of a funky. Uh, uh, oh, but it would
0: be 21, right? Three times seven is 21. And then triple 21. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> in my
1: head wrote three times nine. There you go. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I interesting. If you don't know nine times seven, I'm not sure three times seven is 21 tripling that. I don't know. I don't know if a kid would have access yeah. to that. but But it's fun to play with. And if a kid says, no, that would not help me. Well, then don't put that on their clue card. Right. And you know what? I want to mention that one time we were in a
1: workshop and we were talking about clue cards and it's so interesting to me because we made one clue poster together and then I asked participants to make uh, at their tables to make a poster of, of suggested, um, clues Mm-hmm. And then we walked around the room and I asked the participants to put a little asterisk or star next to the clue that they would choose for that one.
0: Let me, let me be clear. Each each group had a different most missed mis- Is that right? right. Yeah, so, okay. so we hung the posters on the wall
1: and one poster might've said six times eight and one might've said nine times six. And so we had all these posters. And then we literally took a marker and everyone walked around the room and I just said, hey, choose the clue that you would put if you were making a clue card for that mm-hmm. fact. Mm-hmm. And there was overwhelmingly on every poster, almost every clue was chosen.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. You that is would, so cool. You would think one clue was picked more than others. It was more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Absolutely
0: yeah. not true. Ha! That's really cool. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so you asked me one. Give me a most specific. Okay, you take um eight times six. Okay, eight times six. So I might think that kids might use the double, double, double that we talked about, um, a couple episodes ago where they might find two times six to get four times six to get eight times six. Mm -hmm. Um, or they might just know four times six. Um, and that's delightful because 24 then is so easy to double to get, um, eight times six. Um, they also might use squares like you mentioned earlier. So like six times six, and then they have to add two more sixes. Um, I don't know that they use eight times eight and get rid of that, that if they have eight eights, but they only need six eights, they would get rid of two eights, Um, but we could, we could see, see if they want to do that. Um, And then again, uh, they might use their fives. Fives are nice. Um, They might think about five eights to get six eights. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Cool. So Kim, one of the things um, that teachers also ask us when we talk about clue cards is um, in fact, we just got this the other day, Uh, what if, you know, we don't want shame, right? We've talked about how shame is not a a thing that we desire to, it doesn't motivate kids well. Teachers have asked, so what if kids have these huge card decks? Like, we're just really worried. I have Some some kids will have these like gigantic decks. Some kids will have these really tiny decks. Like, how do we keep the shame out of that?
1: Yeah, we do get this question a lot, right? And so
0: one of the things that
1: I'm maybe not as clear about is that this idea of making clue cards comes really late, right? And so there may be kids who... Late in the year. Late in the year. Mm -hmm. Late in the year. Maybe like, you know, second semester after we've, we've played a lot of games and done a lot. Um, and so there may be kids that have none or just a few, right? Or there might be some kids that have um, a handful, but I never, you know, for all those years, never had kids who had 25 cards or 40 cards. And so it wasn't really ever a thing where there was this whole um, unbalanced situation. I also loved sending those sets of cards home So, so that was a kind of thing to let parents know, these are the facts that your kids could use some more work on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, once we, we set up the routine at school, then that was a great way for parents to get involved or for kids to work with a sibling. I know that's not always the case for, you know, for some kids. Um, and then I knew those families well,
0: and I would play with the kids. Mm, Nice, nice. So kids have been tinkering all first semester, um, tinkering and tinkering. And so by the time you got to making uh, decks of cards, I heard you actually say that you never had kids that had more than 10, like like 10 was sort of the max that uh, a kid might have. And if you think about it, you guys, once you have like two to 10 cards, you kind of can't tell the difference. I mean, the stacks are pretty much, you know, that's not. (laughs) there's, <laughs> there's so, so few and the kids really aren't, there aren't that many more to work on because they've already been tinkering all year long. Very cool.
1: Yeah, and, and I would suggest that maybe if you've got kids who've got 30 or 40 cards out of the whole you know set, then, mm-hmm. then it might be that there are some things that can be done pr- prior to doing clue cards. Maybe there's some more routines or activities that you could do to give them more facility with those facts.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool. So clue cards are a great thing that you guys could use to help your students um, after you've been tinkering a lot with relationships to help them automatize those facts. Uh, A couple other things that we wanted to mention today. So our friend Berkeley Everett has these really cool things called math flips. Yeah. Math flips. And they are definitely worth checking out. So we'll uh, just want to shout out to those today and we'll put a link in the show notes. Those are some of the things that you could be using to tinker around with uh, the relationships. One more that we want to mention today is another game actually that we've just gotten wind of um, and I've been playing it. Kim's kids have been playing it. We've had other people playing it and we love it. I am always very hesitant to recommend, especially computer games because uh, so often they just go awry and they have that time element in them. And it's uh, anyway, we just don't recommend them very often, but we like this one. It's called stick and split. Yeah. So stick and split. I highly recommend that you guys check it out. We know that right now you can uh, get it in the app store. Um, It's very interesting, and I'll just take a second to just explain part of what we like about it, is it comes at learning multiplication and sort of these multiplication tables or multiplication facts, not from uh, one um, number at a time, like I'm going to learn my sevens today, or I'm going to learn my fours today, or I'm going to work on my fives today, but it comes at it from the product side. Very much like the product game that we talked about in last week's episode, it gives you the product and you mess around with all the ways to make fifteen all the ways to make 21. And you learn sort of the factor pairs and how they relate to that product. Um, And so we really like it. Here's here's a a moment in time that told us we were um, we had found a good game when Sue's son walked in the room who who was very um, what's the word I want? Snarky? I don't know. He's, he's picky. Picky's a good word. He's picky when it comes to games. He will not play a game if it's just, obviously, I'm supposed to learn something from this game. He wants to play a game that's fun. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, he will play Stick and Split, and one day, he walked up to Sue, not a fair, having played for very long, and he goes, hey, mom, mom, I learned a new way to make 15. Oh, love that. I mean, that, this is a kid who's not even in multiplication yet. He's a second grader. is already playing with ways to make 15 multiplicatively. It's fabulous. So highly recommend that you check out Stick and Split. I think we're going to expect to see really cool things uh, from this game maker in the future. So check that out. Remember, y'all, it's about taking the long view. This is a process. Your attitude makes such a big difference. Use games and routines and talk with kids and clue cards all year long. We do want kids to have practice, but without shame, without time pressure, or not just teaching facts in isolation.
1: We would love it if you would join us on Math Strat Chat on Wednesday evenings. You can find that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we
0: explore problems with the world. Yeah, and if you wouldn't mind, please share with your friends and your colleagues. We want to spread the good word that math is figureoutable. Give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast place so more people can find the podcast. Y'all, if you're interested to learn more mathematics and you want to help yourself and your students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be
1: opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically.
0: And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math, figure outable.